Father, we just love you. And we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for this time of season. God, we can remember our Savior leaving his throne in heaven and coming to this earth in the frail form of a baby to save us. And God, we're so thankful. God, as we remember this morning what you've done, the price you paid for us. And God, I pray that through this holiday season, God, we would be mindful of what this season is all about. God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your presence. And God, we ask that you would just speak to us through your word this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Going to change it up a little bit and get down here amongst you. Genesis chapter 3. This is our third week looking at Genesis 3, and we've been kind of walking down through it. And we've been talking about the different uh, applications that we can make. Now, there's a real difference between hearing the word and knowing it. There's a real difference between hearing the word and letting it sink on in. And so we are going through these scriptures here pretty slowly because I really believe that Genesis 3 is one of those passages and one of those teachings that we find in the Bible that really need to sink in deep. And we really need to have... Uh, some walking around sense about it and because there's so many things in the Christian life that Genesis 3 uh, is the foundation of and helps us understand. Basically from a real high view of 30,000 feet we understand that we lost paradise. We had paradise, we lost it. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God And the result of that is that we have lost paradise. The life that God designed for man to have was very different than the lost paradise life is. And so paradise will be returned to us one day when the final consummation happens in the new Jerusalem and the new earth, when all the prophecies are fulfilled and all that comes together, we will we who are in white robes we who have golden uh got the crowns we who believe in christ and are honoring the lamb and and we are faithful and we are committed all those things we are the believers are going to see paradise be restored but we are in between times we're between paradise and paradise restored We're living today in paradise lost, okay? And so Genesis 1 and 2, paradise, chapter 3 is where it was lost, and 4 all the way until Revelation 20 is a time of paradise lost. And so it would make sense, wouldn't it, that we need to learn how to live in paradise lost because we can't do anything about Genesis 1 and 2 paradise and really paradise to come, paradise restored, is the provision of Jesus, and we're just going to receive it and enjoy it, and we're going to have a wonderful time, and all of eternity is going to be our experience because of what God has done through Jesus, and so to help us learn how to live here now in paradise lost, we understand Genesis chapter 3, so we've been doing some reviews. Let's do it again. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So, the serpent is smart. That's what we learn from that. Never underestimate the power, the wisdom, the brightness, 
the ability to deceive of Satan. He's so good at it, he can deceive without us even knowing it. He can really get it done. He oftentimes, he uses different strategies, different places in the world. You can clearly see the presence of Satan. Here, not so much. He's, he's, he's got a different strategy here, and he's more undercover here. But he disguised himself as an angel of light, and he comes forward, and he looks to be our best friend. He looks like he's someone we can trust. He looks like he's someone that we would really enjoy being around. But then, boom, he sets, a, he sets that trap, and we're caught. And we need to be really careful about the serpent, so much so that most Americans don't believe in a little devil, in a little Satan. They don't believe in it. I think it's fairy tale, preacher talk. That preacher is just trying to scare y'all up there at the church. So, uh, But for me, I believe the Word. I believe the Bible. I believe that Genesis chapter 3 is there to teach us. And so I think I should tell you that your adversary, the serpent, is crafty. He's a crafty buzzard. He's going to come. He, he has the ability to do things that we're not aware of. And so be aware of that. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And so his first great temptation was to cause Eve, she's not Eve yet, but she's going to be pretty quickly, but to, to cause the woman to question God's word. And that is still going on today. Still going on today. You know it is. Questioning God's word. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, and who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And Satan says, God doesn't love y'all. There's no eternal life. There's no perishing. That, that idea of judgment is archaic. It's just, it's just a series of man's writings, and you don't need to be really concerned about it. So just wipe away from your mind any thought of perishing. It ain't going to happen. That's how clever Satan is, right? And he causes people of the world, people during this paradise lost time, he, he causes people to question God's words, the words of truth. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. There you go again, woman. The serpent comes across. You're not going to die. You got to be kidding me. You're buying that garbage. You're buying that instruction. You're, you really believe that God that made all this is going to cause these kind of consequences to you. Satan's really, really brilliant. You're not going to die. Question the word of the Lord. For God knows, look at his reasoning for this. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. She ain't never going to be like God, being deity, but it's the idea of being able to control your own destiny, to determine right and wrong, which is the real issue that man can't handle. We can't handle right and wrong. Doesn't take very long to realize that in our world today. 
And, and what, this, what the serpent is throwing down on Eve, Eve to come, is this. He just doesn't really love you. God doesn't really love you. God doesn't want you having all this. He wants to keep it for himself. God is very self-absorbed. He's not going to share that wonderful blessing that comes from eating the forbidden fruit. And the truth of that is, no, God is being gracious to us. God is indeed protecting us, and he's going to really protect us at the end of chapter 3, and we're going to see it clearly. But, but what, what the conflict here is that uh, Satan says God doesn't care for you because God don't want you having all the good stuff. And the truth is God is protecting us. And so you've got a real conflict between right and wrong, truth, and what's a falsehood. So when the woman saw in verse 6 that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Of course he did. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Now, it's just not being naked. It's knowing you're naked. And so all of their insecurities as a result of the act of sin is just making itself known. And so they are just out, they're out of touch with their nakedness. All their junk is out there for them, literally speaking, Sym symbolically speaking. I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> but what I mean junk on the inside is what I was meaning yeah, there we go. That's all you're going to think about today, and I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now, we're going to pick this up here in a little bit, but think about fig leaves. How long are fig leaves going to last? What do you think? A couple days? Fig leaves going to itch? You ever seen a fig leaf? You ever had a dried fig leaf? Go home, and maybe you don't have fig leaves because we don't have any leaves now, so we have to wait for this perhaps. But get you a bunch of leaves, and, or you do have dead leaves out in the yard. Go get those dead leaves and, you know, and, and put them down your, your shirt. Smash them up against yourself. Think about the itching that's going to cause. Think about the, how it's not really a good way of clothing yourself, right? Fig leaves don't last. Fig leaves have a time limit to it. So the provision that man provided is really short, short-lived. It's not going to last. It's going to itch. It's not a good covering. So keep that in mind as we go forward because the lesson for us in that is this, man, the very best man can do is never enough. The very best you can offer, the very best that you can, you can create for yourself, it's never enough for your peace and your well-being. You can't manufacture enough peace to handle this world. You can't do it. You can't make enough money to meet every need you're ever going to have. Money doesn't provide everything. You, you just can't manufacture enough thrill. Think about it. Drug addicts know about this. They can never find that next thrill that meets their need. 
Maybe it's the next one. Maybe it's the next one. Maybe it's the next one. And they find themselves chasing a thrill that they never are able to find. And I think that's symbolic of, of you've got your uh, fig leaves. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Now, God knows where he is. God wants Adam to know where he is, right? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave me, she made me do it. The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the man says, It's the woman's fault. The woman says, It's the serpent's fault. The blame is on. And you see here what happens when the consequences of sin, shame, hiding from God, and of course, blame, blaming someone else. So, all right, here we go. Paradise is lost. And so here are some of the great lessons for us. First of all, Satan. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And so that lets us know that we are absolutely dealing with a wounded being, a wounded animal in the serpent, in Satan. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. And so we see that there's conflict between the woman and the serpent, and also the conflict between the offspring of Eve and the offspring of the servant. And of course, we know that that's talking about believers and unbelievers. Great conflict is always going to be present in this world between believers and unbelievers. There's never going to be a time until Jesus comes that there is great kumbaya with believers and unbelievers. It's not going to happen. The coexist bumper sticker is a waste of bumper space. It's never going to make it. It is well-wishing. I'm all for peace. I'm all for lay your swords down. I'm all for, you know, uh, uh, getting back to, to loving each other and believing each other. But in the world situation, because paradise was lost, there's never going to be a time that there's not great conflict between believers and unbelievers. Now, Jesus said, because you love me, you will be persecuted. And that's part of the story. And so by the kumbaya desire that people have today, can't we all just get along? Can't we all just see that helping people is all that matters? It, it, for a believer and unbeliever, there's always going to be conflict. And we need to understand that going in. Don't ever be surprised that someone doesn't love you because you're a believer. Don't ever be surprised that someone thinks that you're a moron because you believe the story of Jesus. Don't ever be surprised with that. Don't ever be surprised that you're not included in the big shindig, the big party, because you believe in Jesus, because that is set in stone. That's in his word. There's going to be conflict between believers and unbelievers. 
And so we need to understand that, and we need to pattern our mindset towards that and know that we're to love our enemy and go forward and not take it personally because God said this is the way it will be. To the woman, he said, we're going to go back to the last part of verse 15 in just a moment. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. So, ladies, you got that to look forward to. In paradise lost, ladies will have pain in childbearing. Okay? Now, we talked about this last week, and we just skim it today. Your desire will be for your husband or... The word being teshuka means for desire, your desire will, shall be against your husband. And so one Hebrew word can either mean for or against. So we've got lots of issues in understanding what this verse means. And so I think he did cover both of them. Now, I think from the big picture, we're going to see that in the function of husbands and wives, in the, the community of husbands and wives, in the communication of husbands and wives, in, in the life pattern of husbands and wives, there's going to be some conflict. Did y'all know that? <laughs> Did you know that when he doesn't understand you, it was part of the paradise loss? He doesn't understand. Do you know, ladies, that when your desires are all over the place, and we say because of H, right? Because of hormones, right? <laughs> Have you heard that? My hormones are out of whack. I get it, but it says here that your desires are going to be out of whack. And either you're going to have desires for or against your husband. So which is it, woman? <laughs> are your desires for your husband or against your husband? Now... You're going to have all these desires for your husband, and he's going to be a bump on a log. That's what it says. You're going to have desires for your husband, and he's going to be a bump on the log. It says here that his desire will be to rule over you. So you have desires. So if it's for him, it's for a wonderful life. It's for a life of harmony. It's for a life of great emotional stability. It's for a life of flowers and chocolate and, and, and great embraces when you come home from work. His desire will be to control you, to rule over you, to be the man, to be the man. He goes hunting. He goes fishing. He, he, he's a real man. He doesn't take a bath but once a week. He's a real man. And the desires of the woman are going to be all over the place. But we, you can look at that and see how that fits. But there's going to be conflict between men and women. It's part of paradise lost. Thorns and thistles, it shall, uh, I'm sorry, man. Then he said to, uh, in verse 17, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because you in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. And so he says to man, you have a hard time scratching out a living from this world. You're going to have a hard time, fella, making a living. 
You're going to have to work. You're going to have to sweat. You're going to have headaches. You're going to have frustrations. Your back is going to hurt. You're just going to have uh, struggle after struggle after struggle. And paradise lost means the man is responsible to work to bring that food. He's responsible. That's why Paul says the man that does not work is worthless. Doesn't say the lady has to work. The lady can work if she, if she chooses to. And that's part of the family dynamic. But the man must work. And now, the psychology of that, men that don't work, they don't do well. They don't do well. You've even seen that in the retirement men sometimes. A man stops working to be retired and have his glory days, and, and not every fella can handle that. And you see lots of problems when the man retires because man is designed to work. That's in the Word. That's the result of paradise lost. And so when you have to get up every Monday morning and go to work, understand it's part of what God has put in forth for us. And so smile and get on with it and just shake your head to paradise lost. Here we go. I'm going to scratch out a living. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it, you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. That's the review. Spent a lot of time on it. But you, you need to get it. You need to get it. You need to get it. I need to get it. We need to get it. And so the new verses here in verse 20. Verse 20. Now, this is a real interesting verse to me. The man, Adam, called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. He named her Eve. This is before she's just woman. And now she's Eve. Not just Eve, mother of all living. Now, isn't that interesting? There's not a maternity ward at the hospital yet. There's not a labor and delivery spot. No one has been born yet. Matter of fact, when that happens... And when Cain comes along, it's the first birth. So here you have Adam never seeing a birth, never hearing about a birth. Now, how much did Adam understand at this point? I I don't know. It is Adam, right? I mean, how much do men really understand anyway, right? I'm okay with that. I look at situations and process with human relationships, and I realize, how much do you really understand, Lee, about what just happened? Not very much. But I did the right thing. I kept my mouth shut each step of the way. And so I came out unscathed. How much does Adam know? Now, we do know, I do believe in, you know, progressive revelation. I believe that happens for all of us. What we know about Jesus is nothing compared to what we know about him 20 years later, hopefully, right? The moment we believe in Christ, what we understand about Jesus is, is, is limited. But as time goes on, we understand more about him. We know him better, right? And so we grow in understanding of these things in the kingdom of God. 
And so I don't know how much Adam recognizes about this, this naming her Eve thing, but he's got some faith. Now, he has heard that there's going to be pain at childbirth. Childbirth, that's a new thing. I don't think that probably for Adam, the biggest problem is the pain. It's what is this childbirth? But he names the woman Eve. He names his wife Eve because she's going to be the mother of all living. She's going to have kids and she's going to get this thing started. What a faith demonstration here. Faith. Faith. Definition of faith. Faith is believing in something before it happens. Faith is believing in something to the point that you know it's certain before it happens. Faith is believing the Christmas story. Think about that for a moment. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe in the angel announcements. We believe in the shepherds singing and praising. We believe that the gift to the world came through Bethlehem, the low, low Bethlehem, and a gift to the world. We believe in the peace. We believe in the hope that comes from the Christmas experience. Faith. Faith. Do you understand this all, Adam? No, but I believe it. Do you understand all these things about the Jesus story? No, but I believe it. And so in verse 20, you've got the faith. Verse 21. Now we're going to pick up the fig leaves again. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothe them. Now, God killed the animal. This is animal skins. So God knows your fig trees ain't going to cut it. Your fig leaves ain't going to work. So God kills the animal. He tans the skin. He gets the skins all ready. He makes the clothes and he dressed them. He had to. Why? They didn't know how that worked. That's what God did. So compare fig leaves to leather. That's a better deal. Leather's a better deal. God's way of covering and meeting our needs is a better thing. Do you get that? Do you get why when you have a problem and need, you need to pray and ask God for help and guidance? And when you have a problem and need, and God has already spoke to that situation in his word, you need to trust because he clothes with animal skins and still today, animal skins are the best way to go. Now, I know that today in our great sophisticated world, we have a whole movement of don't kill animals, don't wear furs. All right, synthetic, I got you going for it. But I got a, I got a new pair of Danner boots, all leather. There's nothing better. Some cow died for my boots. And I'm thankful that God made that happen, that God provided leather for us. So there you have it. Is God okay with animals being taken for clothing? He started it. He started it. And so God's way is best. Now, verse 21. For the covering of Adam and Eve required sacrifice. The covering of the shame 
The covering of the nakedness required sacrifice. Do you see that, how that fits in the story of Jesus? The story of Christmas, why Genesis 3 is a Christmas story? My, my. There was bloodshed for the covering of man's great need. Verse 15 says, He shall bruise your head or crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel, speaking to the serpent. He is Jesus. Jesus will crush your head, Satan, and the serpent will bruise his heel. Certainly, Jesus went through a struggle with the sacrifice. But there's a great difference between crushing the head or bruising the head and bruising the heel. And that's what Jesus done for us. And that was the sacrifice. Jesus died on the cross for us. And that shedding of his blood meets our great need of shame because of our sin, of hiding from God because of our sin, and not taking responsibility. So 21 is sacrifice. Wonderful, wonderful sacrifice. Verse 22, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Now, if man can live forever in paradise lost, it's not good for anybody. How horrible that would be in this fallen nature, in this sinful nature, in a body that grows old and weak and hurts, how horrible it would be to live forever. I don't want any part of that. No part of that. Man, it's not made because of the paradise that's lost to live forever. That's going to be in paradise restored. And because of this, the Lord God sent him out from the garden, verse 23, of Eden, to work the ground from which he was taken. So it appears to be judgment, but yet it's protection. It's grace. He drove out the man and the east of the garden of Eden. He placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So... Satan is saying, God don't love you. God is saying, I do love you. I love you so much that I kicked you out of the garden. Wait a minute. You love me so much that you kicked me out of paradise? Yes. I love you so much that I know that that's not good for you. That's going to destroy your life. That is not what you need. I love you more, actually, than you even love yourself. And so I'm going to protect you. And God is always protecting us. He's always ushering us that undeserved grace. Did Adam and Eve deserve this? No, absolutely not. They deserved nothing but misery. They deserved nothing but pain. They deserved nothing but consequence from violating God's masterpiece and what God set up. 
But God loved them so much, God loves us so much, that he placed what had to be one mean angel, one mean looking angel, at the entrance to the garden that's looking around. He's got his head on a swivel, and he's got that flaming sword. And there's no way Adam and Eve is going to say, I think I can whip him. You remember that forbidden fruit? Let's hop back in that garden. Let's see what we can find. All right, let's go. They walk down the road and look. Nope, that angel's still there. Grace is still there. Grace is still there. Man, the Christmas story is about grace. Our sin causes us to have shame. Shame's horrible. Shame's a bad deal. We can be set free from shame. Sin causes us to hide from God. We, can, we don't have to hide from God anymore because Jesus came, we have access to the Father. And we stand before him clothed by what he has provided for us. Just like he clothed Adam and Eve, we can stand before Almighty God clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So we don't have to be full of shame anymore. We're forgiven. We don't have to hide from God. We are redeemed through the blood of Jesus. And we don't have to blame anyone because Christ took our sin and threw it as far as the east is from the west. So when you see Genesis 3, you look at it and go, oh, man, wow. Paradise was lost. Yep, it sure was. This is bad news. Yep, it is. However, do you see that as soon as the bad news happened, the good news was provided? The good news were provided. You see that this Christmas? Do you see that you got good news? Do you see the Bible's full of good news? Do you see the Bible tells us the truth, the bad news, but so that we can really fully see the good news? And the good news brings glory to God. Amen? A good Christmas verse. But God demonstrated his love to us. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Man, I believe in Jesus. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I, I can't imagine where my life would be today without Jesus, without Jesus being strong, powerful, without Jesus being a warrior, without Jesus being able to come into my life and change what was junk and wrong and horrid. And Jesus did that for me. And I just know that Jesus can do it for each of you here today. If you'll just turn your heart over to him, if you hadn't done that yet, he loves you. He's ready to cover you with his blood. He's ready to clothe you with his grace He's ready to provide for you all you need to be at peace with God and yourself. You believe that? Amen. Reach out and take it. 
reach out and take it. Lord, may your will be done. May we understand the wonderful story of Christmas and the wonderful gift of your son. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us do the work until it's done. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.